1: good morning welcome to yet another edition of the northland sports page brian prudhomme dave cook dave cook has put his immaculate grid down but he hasn't turned it off yet the most addicting sports game online we hope to be the most addicting sports talk show at least for one morning we're here from 10 to noon good morning and welcome to the northland sports page dave cook good morning sir
2: how are you? We had, okay. uh, had some you? fun nights last night. We, got we to, did. You got to see the soccer game and eat some pizza, and I got to um, well, they played, hang out with Ted and Tim Roweder. I
1: don't know if you'd call the East Cloquet game soccer. It was football last football, night. Sorry, I was at soccer on Thursday. So Thursday. we had fun nights, but Dave Cook at the same time had no idea what I was doing, apparently.
2: No, same building, though. Yes. That's what got me.
1: Yeah, I basically have at least part-time residents at Duluth East this time twice, of year. I think. Ooh, let's not get into that. <laughs> I don't know. Enough people maybe do that, maybe don't. Right, so I have been uh, spending quite a bit of time at Duluth East recently. Cloquet gets a victory there last night, seventeen to sixteen, led seventeen to nothing with about eight minutes to go. So a nail biter there. You didn't necessarily have that in Proctor.
2: Yeah, no, we had Proctor uh, and Hibbing, and Proctor looked a part of a team that was prepared to win until the third quarter. They they had scored on a scoop and score um, from uh, McPhee from Zach McPhee. He threw a bomb to uh, one of the wide receivers early, um, and they were on the roll. Um, but Brian, you know, I talk about being able to live with success. You know, how how do you handle prosperity? And in the third quarter, when Proctor should have put this away, it was motion, 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 motion. Ah, offside. So the yellow flag <laughs> was it, a, it, was a frequent guest at to one tear, point. It, all Memorial Field. At one point, I believe they were second and forty. Wow, on their own, like. They called the timeout, and that wasn't a scoreboard stand. error
1: because I do no. like to tease Rhett McDonald for the down and distances he has when we were games together at Duluth East. It wasn't a glitch. It wasn't a uh, typo user error. It was legitimately second and forty.
2: It looked like Kriv called the timeout because Proctor couldn't stand side. Like it was four plays in a row, and then it was a timeout. And my guess isn't they. My guess is they weren't saying, "All right, we need to switch from run play to a pass play." Although that was probably true.
1: Absolutely. But Proctor did do enough to get their first victory of the year last night. Cloquet did enough at Duluth East to get their first victory of the year last night. Hermantown, meanwhile, suffered their first loss of the year last night. North Branch went into Hermantown, spoiled the home opener. So among the area teams that we cover most frequently, Duluth Denfeld currently sits at 3-0. Mm-hmm. And that's the only one that can say that as far as... Uh, Again, the teams that we've covered regularly on this station.
2: Yeah, well deserved too. We got a we got a chance to speaking of unforced errors. We got a chance to see a team that didn't have any unforced errors in that in that Denfeld game. You know, I, I was negative on Proctor there for a second. I do want to add that. That's why
1: I wanted to remind folks they did win yes, last night. They it was
2: did thirty two to twelve. Yeah. Proctor took care of Hibbing. They did win. Um, their lines were very good. I uh, actually gave a star to their nose tackle Burquist because he. Um, he dominated the inside of the off- offensive and defensive right. line when he was playing. So,
1: Speaking of dominant, it sounded like Tim Roweeder was dominant in the play-by-play yes, department. Yes, you had, he
2: was. You had a new and formidable partner on the broadcast
1: last night. Congratulations to you on that.
2: Yeah, Tim did a real nice job. It helps when you know the team. You know, it helps, and I've seen him before, and, of course, he knows the kids intimately. Right. And so it, it was fun. It was a good night. Ted and his crew, the Rails, uh, Rails TV kids, did a great job, as always. And, no, that... Of all the fields, that's the one that the broadcast is the simplest with because they understand broadcast, right? right? Uh, and So it's when almost you see, like they're
1: honing young minds to do yeah, the same well, thing. Well, it's 100% what they're doing, right?
2: right? But it makes it makes us being able to watch a football game all more enjoyable and, and to call it because you're not worried about what's going on Absolutely. as far as technology.
1: So next week, that dynamic duo of Tim Roweder and Dave Cook will be with you again on this station. The scene will shift to Duluth East. For the city crosstown rivalry, if you will, Duluth Denfeld will come to Duluth East.
2: As the favorite.
1: It'll be interesting to see, speaking of handling prosperity, yes. how they deal with that. I will be in the building, but I will be on a different microphone. So I know you don't like to worry about technological setups, and trust me, I'm with you. Hopefully I can help at least simmer everything down in that sense before you get going.
2: Yeah, no, it'll be good to be in the same building again. Um It's, uh I don't know, this game just feels like it could be a weird game. Like last year... Denfeld came in and beat a very good East team and the shoes are on the other feet now. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, East says enough is enough and jumps up and bites Denfeld. But here's the story. That Denfeld team we saw, they just don't right. make unforced errors. So they're very good. East is gonna have to outplay them.
1: It's a matter of again, I've said this a million times when it comes to Luth Denfeld football. I always tell them the expectations need to change, and I think they are. So they're winning. Now, again, it's just not planning the parade after every win. You know, puff your chest out, sure, but say we expected to do that, and I think Eric Lofald does a good job of kind of honing that theory into Hunter's football.
2: Yeah, I think I think we're starting to see it, and we've always said since the first day on the show, the best way to watch sports in Duluth is when Denfeld and East are both good. And so tip of the hat to Denfeld for their football program's growth.
1: Absolutely. So we're three weeks in. Some teams have four, but for most teams, it's three weeks into the high school football season. Is that enough to have a good feel or a good impression of what a team is made of? And I want to say that today because I want to go off topic for just a minute and say congratulations because we ran into, not literally, thankfully, but we ran into several participants en route to the studio today. I want to say congratulations to all the participants in the North Shore Inline Marathon. It's the Time in sports, and you can do this a handful of times, especially grandmas in this town. But you can literally say and not be, you know, speaking in cliches or or figuratively or whatever the case may be. But you can actually say it's a marathon, not a sprint, because that's absolutely uh, uh, true. Nice. Yeah. And congratulations to all the participants. But many, many sports will say it's a marathon, not a sprint, as something to say. But high school football, when you're three weeks in. Is that enough to feel like, you know, what a team is made of this year?
2: Boy, I think in some cases it is. I think if there's an injury involved, uh, it's probably not because, you know, a, a team, you know, like last year's East team, if their running back was hurt and they were 0-3, it'd be like, yeah, well, it's because their best players hurt. Right. Right. Uh, and so a team like Denfeld, where they're going to get back their players and their 3-0, and you know, you're starting to get a real feel for them when the more kids come back.
1: I was going to say, you start to wonder just how dangerous how, could they be. How
2: dangerous they could be. Exactly right. And so... I think that at three games, you can kind of get an idea how they play. I don't think you see their cap yet. So
1: I asked that question because high school football is eight regular season games, so we're almost halfway, but the interesting part is when you relate it to pro sports, because the Minnesota Vikings are struggling, and we're going to talk more about that throughout the show here again. We're here with you till noon on the Northland Sports page. But if you're the ultimate in positivity, and he comes your way at 1045, that's Dave Hoops. But if you're the ultimate in positivity, we are two into a 17-game season. Is it time to panic or not? And we can talk specifically about that for the Vikings, and we will. But I think it relates well to the opening topic that we've chosen for today as well. Because if you think about the way things look in Viking land, Ed Ingram could be on the first bus out of town, and nobody would be upset while he's one season and two games into his career. Do we know, we think we do, that he just doesn't have what it takes? And then you look at a guy like Royce Lewis, because things are a lot more sing-songy in Twinsland right now. And Royce Lewis won't get enough push to win this, I don't think. But if you said he could be among rookie of the year candidates, you look at his numbers and you'd be right. But it's 60 games into a career. Is that enough to know? Well,
2: in baseball, I think we saw that in the, in the COVID year that baseball the sprint game is a lot different than baseball the full season game right uh and so 60 games in baseball is enough to start to smell a trend
1: well and the crazy part with Royce is it's 60 games not just this year it's over, over the his career. two seasons do, right?
2: yeah right I I think that we can start to see a direction I don't think we can say you know in finality in the end with Royce you know it's okay two decent years two knee injuries so let's see what year three is like let's keep you healthy. Um, But the the one that I wonder is Julian. So he's the other. So if they do a rookie of the year team, Julian, Julian's on it. but Julian's got the the longer track record here between, between them. So do we know what Julian is? Is he legitimately a hammer handed uh, hitter who can't play the field? Or are we seeing a guy that's been pushed to DH because they needed a DH? Well, the
1: only thing with Julian is he's had peaks and valleys to his season. Royce's valleys have been, he's not available. Right. When he's playing, he's big, playing well. That's a pretty big valley. Right. <laughs> it's a Buxton-esque it, valley. It is a
2: Buxton-esque valley.
1: So what we're going to do today for the opening topic, because you might be saying, wait a minute, okay, you talked about quick reactions to players, and we get it, but what does that have to do with your opening topic today? We're going to make it personal. It doesn't necessarily have to be, Brian. statistically speaking, this player fits into category X and this player right. fits into category Y. But what we're going to talk about and on Twitter today is, at NSP fan 1065 I called it the quick and the dead. Maybe that's a little too brutal. Maybe that's a little too blunt. But I want to know, when you watched a player, sport by sport, whether it's eye test, emotion, statistics, or all of the above, who is a player that very quickly into their career, you went, this guy's got it. I like what I see here. And I don't care if he turned out to be right or turned out to be wrong. I just want to know who you thought, in a blink, was a big deal. And then I also want to know, Who you thought in a blink, and again, maybe they turned it around on you and you turned out to be wrong, but who did you think very quickly into their career, you're going, why are we wasting our time with this guy? He just doesn't have what it takes. Because there are players that are somewhat enigmatic with this, and the Twins have two of them. You know, Miguel Sano, people can say, boy, they waited too long on this guy. Well, did they? I mean, 30 home runs in his sleep, 300 strikeouts seemingly in his sleep as well, was an all-star, then really didn't have it, cut bait. Byron Buxton. Hate to say he could be headed down that road. Not because he's terrible, but he's not living up to the hype. And frankly, he's not playing. So did you wait too long? But I just want to know personally, was there somebody you watched and went, we got a guy. Maybe you were right. Maybe you weren't. Somebody you watched and went, they goofed, whether it's coach, GM, because that's a hot topic as well, or if it's a player.
2: Right about the same time. The one that I thought, oh, we've got it now is Herschel. Like, remember, I'm a college football fan. And so we were getting the guy. Like Herschel, we talk about Bo Jackson and we talk about Eric Dickerson. We talk about running backs around that time in college.
1: Right.
2: It was, it was Herschel. And everybody else, like he was the man. And when we got him, I was so excited. And I remember sitting down with dad and dad saying, cool, your jets. We gave up half the football team. Well, and I think
1: we all love the fact that that first game he was invincible and it was against Green Bay and it just fit the script. And then the rest of his career fit the Minnesota sports script. And you went, whoops. Or did Herschel write the Minnesota sports script? Was that the beginning (laughs) of everything big we do is about to
2: fail? Yeah, that's the lesson of don't bring somebody in the middle of the season who can't play your offense.
1: Well, the thing for me that I think sticks with that position, I felt similarly about Chester Taylor. And I may not have been necessarily wrong, but I think the front office saw something that I didn't that made them say, we need more horsepower here at the running back position because I thought Chester Taylor was going to be a fixture. And you just said it. You turned it into a verb. He got Adrian, And I went, oh, I have a framed Chester Taylor jersey that I love. And I thought, this is going to be great. What a hallmark of the next good Vikings running back and don't blink. And I should have got a new Jersey.
2: How about this name in the Vikings running back who I thought was going to be really good. And it was injuries that got him. What about Terry Allen? Right. Like Terry Allen healthy was a legitimate NFL running back. We had one. Um, Terry Allen got hurt all and he never got like a bruised meniscus. Right. It was all it was done for the season. Yeah, we blew all four of our ligaments and broke our leg in half. We'll be back next year.
1: Well, and I think I thought similarly at the wide receiver position, I thought Bobby Wade was going to be just a huge deal, and you can't be a huge deal when you're that diminutive in size, but he was a good wide receiver one in some bad passing offenses. Bring him here. We're a decent passing offense. He's going to be great. He got cut
2: quickly. The bare wide receiver, the one that was at the end of his career, Marcus Robinson. Yes. Yeah. Another guy that was like, hey, you know what? We got a guy who can play, except he could play four years ago. Well,
1: and the other guy that... I guess it's a matter of how do you want to work this category? Because did you watch him and think you had a good guy because of what he did somewhere else? Or did you watch him quickly and say, we got a guy because I loved Dale Carter as in the cornerback Dale yep, Carter. Yep. And you could put Chris Dishman into that category too, but I loved what they did on the other teams they played for. Yep. They got here and they stunk.
2: Yeah. We, we got a chance to see the bad parts of Chris Dishman a lot. And the good parts were again, three years before One of the guys that I got really frustrated when the deal was made, and he turned out okay, even though he—I mean—he complained about being here. Was Tommy Her? Like Tommy Her played Tommy Her baseball for the Twins. It was just awful that they traded this guy for him. It was embarrassing that he went to my other team or came from my other team, right? Right. It was like don't make that. Oh God, we made that trade. Well, the
1: funny thing is, I can continue to make position segues off of you because Tommy Her was a second baseman, and you'll call me out on this because. I had a second baseman for the Twins, that I was like, hey, that's a decent deal. This guy's a hitting machine. So I was bummed when Brian Dozier was let go. And my way of coming to terms with dealing him away, I understood the business side of it. But my deal with, okay, this is going to be fine, is the Twins got a second baseman named Logan Forsyth, which everybody who would follow baseball for long enough kind of eye-rolled and went, okay, I guess it's somebody you're going to put in your starting lineup, but wait and see what you get. Well, he was hitting like 425 In his first two weeks with the Twins, and I thought, wow, they got a deal at the deadline. They got rid of Dozier and got their new second baseman of the future. 425 became 225 in about a a month, and I said whoops-a-daisy.
2: Yeah, one of those guys that in a short period of time can hit 10 hits, and in a long period of time will still give you those 10 hits.
1: Absolutely. So the reason I bring this up with modern-day sports, so to speak, is a couple names that are under fire already with the Minnesota Vikings and their struggles. I mentioned Ed Ingram, sure, but... Quasi Adolfo Mensa hasn't been here very long. There are plenty of people that said, this guy can't draft his way out of a paper bag. I eye-roll I that constantly because that's what bugs me about the draft. I don't mind that people like it. I don't mind that people get into it. I do mind that everybody thinks something's great or terrible when no football's been played. But a lot of the naysayers with Quasi's draft picks have been proven right so far, so he's under duress. Brian Flores is proclaimed the savior back this summer Two games in, they can't stop the run, and Baker Mayfield, who's had more endorsements than starts, says he figured out his signals. Where are we on Brian Flores right now? So, did we get
2: the guy, or did we owe? Oh. No, we were a much better defense than we were last year. Yeah, we couldn't stop the run against Philadelphia, um, who is, you know, top two team in the NFL, and so top three team maybe in the NFL, depending how we want to look at it. Um, they, they run, like they got a good running attack, and we are. What did we? So they you want, do, but their best players are Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, and Devonta Smith. You want to combine the two? The combination of the two people that you had mentioned is that uh, our GM had addressed positions of strength for us and did not address positions of weakness. And so, for instance, the Vikings traded out of the number twelve pick, which turned out to be the wide receiver from Alabama for Detroit two years ago. But the cornerback, yeah, Jamison, whatever, is the kid who's suspended for being stupid. Okay. Um, they traded out. That's who Detroit took. But the, the safety that plays for Baltimore, Kyle, Kyle Hamilton. Hamilton, was yeah. still there. Yep. So instead of taking the better safety, they traded almost out of the first round and took the third best safety. Took a safety that if hasn't really gonna, played yet. But that's so when you say, well, you can't talk about. Um, the GM it's the reason you can is because we're starting to see a pattern in his draft style. Ed Ingram, you know, they talk about social responsibility Ed Ingram's in college, wasn't a great guy. Right. And and congratulations. He seems to have turned it around, but again, something that we touted and we walked away from. And, and I'm just saying that if you look at our kids, our kids, Addison is two catches, both touchdowns, very important. He also stands around when the run is coming because he's smaller than half the kids we did uh, football for last night, and he doesn't want to block. You know, and it's just
1: right. I'm I'm not saying any of his draft picks are suddenly defensible, pun intended, because some of them literally but that's haven't his been biggest job. But I I agree with you. I'm just saying it's interesting that he's a sneeze into his career, and we're ready to run him out of town, just like Ed Ingram, where. Other people, if you want to use the sneeze comparison, get full-blown pneumonia and get to stick around like, <laughs> That's true. like Miguel Sano did for the better part of a decade.
2: Or Terry Ryan, right. at the at the second part of Terry Ryan.
1: Well, and the interesting part, because you bring up Terry Ryan, is Quasi's under fire, and I think it's deserved. I've tried to defend and say, let it play out. How long can you let it play out? Yep. I mean, you've got people on both sides of the coin. You've got fan bases and media personalities who are livid. You've got other fan bases— one works for the team, and I think you know who I'm talking about. Who said let Quacy cook? Well, okay.
2: I think that's still true, by the way, but I don't think you can defend his draft. His draft picks have not been good.
1: But the interesting part is, we started this show, well, we didn't necessarily start it, but five minutes ago, we were talking about the great rookie class for the Twins. Mm-hmm. But Falvey and Levine have been deservedly under fire as well. It's but they've been around for you know better part of half a decade, so is their time wearing thin? So it's just interesting to me to— figure out how much first impressions matter yeah. and how long is a sport's first impression.
2: I'll give you probably the greatest twins one of all time, Nishioka. I mean, remember, he was after Ichiro, but he had a lot of the similar characteristics. He right. was a really good hitter. He was a slap hitter, but so is Ichiro. Um, when he came in, Ichiro just learned here how to be even greater than he was. And Nishioka got a broken ankle in a slide at second base. But, that's, but that
1: happened in like game six.
2: Yep done.
1: Which, I understand what you're saying, but for me, that doesn't fit the category then because... Super
2: excited, and then he didn't. Right. That's but, the category, but that, right?
1: It's it's really not, because it's who did you know the second you saw them play was going to be good, and who did you know the second you saw them play, this guy doesn't have it. The second you saw Nishioka play, his leg was broken. Yes, I guess you should be able to decipher that, well, that's not going to work out very well.
2: Yeah, at that point, at the leg break moment, you're be- right.
1: Because in that sense, the the category would be the hype train that got derailed, and I get that. What, I, what I'm saying is we're so quick to bury Ed Ingram, and I get why. We're getting to be very quick to bury Quasey and I get why. Brian Flores is under fire, and you know the NFL every week is like a mini Super yeah, Bowl in its seen. own right, and I get why. But I'm just saying, who did you watch and say, this guy's phenomenal, right or wrong? Who did you watch and say, I cannot handle this guy, right or wrong? Because I feel like there have been people that have said about Quacey since day one— This guy's clueless, and I've looked. Yeah, that's not fair. From I agree with you, and I've I've looked and said, "How do you know?" But some of these people, as it starts to pan out, are starting to look right, and so I'm going, and not that I'm the be all end all intellectually in sports, but I'm starting to look and go, "What did I miss?"
2: Yeah, Todd Richards is one of those guys. When when you saw him coach to start with, it looked like they had figured it out, and all of a sudden they unfigured it out. Um, and you, you could never quite figure out why that was. Did he lose the? Did he lose the locker room? He seemed to have all the things you were looking for in a young head coach, and we right. finally had one. And and he completely failed. Um, you know, and you look at how many drafts of the Timberwolves. The one that we always give heat to, the kid from Syracuse, the Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn played pretty well his first year. When he played, yeah, he was. I believe he was a first or second team All Rookie Team. Like he was legitimately good. Uh, and then he—I know he got hurt, but he also was not then, and so he's been the butt of a joke. Had he continued his, had he continued his career path like it started, it still would have been we picked the wrong guy, but it wouldn't have been a stand a stand up comedian well, routine. And
1: let's be honest, if Steph Curry would have been just a tiny wiry kid from Davidson that got drafted and was okay, nobody remembers Johnny Flynn either.
2: Right, that's exactly right, and so. I think Johnny Flynn is one of those guys you were super excited to see. I think there's a lot of Timberwolves guys like that because Chuck, when Chuck Persons came, yeah, I was just geeking. Seeing
1: Chuck Persons is a good one because not only are you excited when you get them, because we've kind of done that category, I'm saying like you saw them in uniform for your team look all right. And Chuck Persons would have games where he couldn't miss. Yep. And then you'd have games where you go, where's the Indiana Pacers, why, Chuck Persons? What happened you to you? And for me, that was kind of Ryan Gomes. And I think it was partly because I wanted something besides Al Jefferson to come out of the Kevin Garnett trade. And Ryan Gomes had nights as a wing where he shot the ball very, very well. And then you realized that he did very, very well because he was the number one option on a very, very poor offense. Because all of a sudden in bigger games, you'd go, where's Ryan Gomes? Oh, he's out there. He's trying. He's just not that good at all.
2: How about for a quick one, Anthony Bennett? Because Anthony Bennett had a couple good games his first couple games for the Timberwolves, and it was like, okay, we outsmarted him this time. We've got a kid. We're going to be able to teach him how to play. And he, wow, he was terrible in the NBA. Right. But it was surprising because the first two games, I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe we figured it out. And we didn't.
1: Well, and to this point, we've kind of done the negative side of Minnesota sports because let's face it, it's Easy. the dominant side here on the Northland Sports page. Brian home Dave Cook. But again, the category is who did you know right away? At least you thought you knew whether they were terrible or great. There, There is the other side of it. I mean, Adrian Peterson, I remember the opening week against Atlanta where Tavares Jackson threw basically a swing pass where if he didn't get rid of it, the play was dead. And Adrian Peterson turned it into a 68-yard touchdown pass. Randy Moss, you know, the the first couple of games, we all knew how good Chris Carter was. We thought we knew that Jake Reed was pretty good. I remember questioning why this team needed a third wide receiver because back then it wasn't as common. Well, certainly week one against Tampa, that was eye-opening. The Monday night game against Green Bay, it was, holy cow, what do we have?
2: Um, there's two, and they played for the same team, Pedrosian um, and Reardon. So when Reardon came, it was, again, you know my stance on closers. Okay, big deal. Except the guy we had, Ron Davis, put the fear of God in everybody. right? Um, and Reardon came Ron in. Ron Davis
1: and Fernando Rodney should hang out and, in Twins lore.
2: And Reardon just came in and, and settled everything down and was that guy. But Bedrosian, he was the other bullpen guy they got that year. And all of a sudden we I mean he was just a guy, right? I mean in, in his career he was just a guy. And when he came I was expecting nothing. He was lights out for the rest of that season right. and really helped the Twins turn a nine-inning game to about a six-inning game. Did
1: you know that Steve Bedrosian is from Duluth? I did not know that. Duluth, Georgia. Had to throw that in you, for you.
2: You me Amazon and that uh that dinosaur thing that showed up at the uh, I was going to say, if, if any ones. restaurants
1: still have NTN trivia, I'm a fountain of useless knowledge. <laughs> for the Twins, for me, I think Justin Morneau was really, really good, really, really fast. And part of it is he changed my mind because I loved Doug McAvich. He was just the type of baseball player that I thought fit. There's that Twins way. Man, he was a defensive wizard. You know, he was just a gritty, no batting gloves type player. And well, we don't really need him. He's just patchwork till the big first baseman down on the farm is ready to go, and then Justin Morneau's hitting 430 foot bombs, and you know looks like baby killabrew up there, and it was just fun.
2: Yeah, no, he's actually he's a really good example of a guy that you were questioning. Shane Mack was that for me? It was like they traded for an outfielder who has some skills but hasn't done anything to this point. And then he turned on to be a key player on those championship teams.
1: Well, how about a guy who did both for you? You talk about who did you know right away that you thought was pretty good, whether you turned out to be right or wrong. Marty Cordova, immediately I thought, wow, here's a future stud in the outfield. And about five years later, he was not only out of the Twins, he was out of the league.
2: Yeah. Well, they've you know, TK, the second half of TK's career, he had a lot of guys like that. Like Todd Walker hit 330 in minor leagues. He gets up here, and because he has a college degree, TK makes fun of him all the time. Right. Right, Doctor uh, Walker. Yeah, Stahoviak is down in in uh, AAA, hitting raking. Every place comes up here, hits a buck twenty. David McCarty, David McCarty played three or four different positions on the farm, hit everywhere, came up here, couldn't hit. And you know how I like the kids. So watching those guys come up, thinking that I saw, you know, these guys are going to be, and then just didn't turn out for no, really no reason between the lines that they couldn't have at least had a major league career.
1: Right. So I know that you love the kids, as we call them, yep. you know, the rookies coming up, the prospects, the draft picks, whatever. Are you able to put that excitement aside and just watch a player? Because a lot of the guys that you mentioned, you know, especially the David McCarty's, the Scott Stachowiak's, you know, they were going to save this team yeah. and and they didn't. When I look at Royce Lewis and he's been amazing and we all wanted it and we all wanted to see it. And Brooks Lee, you're probably going to be the next contestant on, you know, whatever category this falls into. But are you able to just watch and not put the expectations in the mix when it's somebody who hasn't played the game before?
2: Yeah, I think that I think there is those guys. I think when Royce Lewis was put in center field, it was like, uh, okay, this is not his position. We'll see right. what happens. But I think I think in pitchers, I see that Bailey Ober. Oh boy, we have a six foot nine inch softball who throws eighty eight. Yeah, who can only throws eighty innings a, a year, right? Because he's hurt all the time. Okay, well he's up. I think when Simeon Woods Richardson hits the major leagues, it'll be the same thing. Well, here's a guy that has shown very little as far as external stats, but he's just been good enough to move through the system. Oh, boy. Well, we when they hit, they're going to hit.
1: Well, and the hype does matter. Part of the reason that I asked that question, we haven't touched on hockey really at all. And with the Minnesota Wild, honestly, I got to tell you, if, if Mikhail Grandlin wouldn't have been a YouTube sensation, I wonder what we would have thought if we would have just watched him play.
2: Yep. The other, another guy in my voice, the favorite hockey player, Nino. Like, I always expected Nino to figure it out one day. Right. Never did. Like, Nino is still playing because he's a good four checker. Well, that's I the, thought he was going to be like legit, legit.
1: That's the question. And again, that goes back to my, the NFL draft is a big hype train. You read the narrative you want to, and then you swear by it. What told us, what outside source told us that this guy is going to be a star? When or can you let your eyes? tell you the story instead what happens because that's my reason for the category today Ed Ingram hasn't been around a long time he's been bad we're ready to be done Miguel Sano was good and bad we weren't done for a long time there's plenty of people that said his leash was way too long Byron Buxton's theory same thing why are the pitchforks out for Brian Flores two games in there's still got to be a learning curve Quasey does have a lot to prove still yet this team won 13 games last year albeit maybe with Rick Spielman's roster What's going to happen? We're already thinking about, does this need to change? I saw a tweet this week that said, the KOC and Kwesi honeymoon is over. Maybe it is, but are we really ready to blow it all up? I, You know, sports is paralysis by analysis, and it's also driven by knee-jerk overreaction. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to have this topic today. What did you think you knew, positive or negative, limited time into somebody's career?
2: Yeah, often for me, it's their second team. So if you're the second team, you know you like I said with Todd Richards, you know when a when a kid comes through or a player comes through and it's like okay, so yeah they got traded they got traded because they had a bad year or two but we can fix them, right? We're gonna make something of this, and then they that sounds like talking fail. right to
1: the Twins brass with it, every pitcher they brought 100%, in. Hundred percent,
2: but if you think of some of the guys that the Vikings have done on their second contract. Um, we've had linebackers, we've had offensive and defensive linemen that have come through on their second contract because we're going to figure them out. Cornerbacks galore, we're going to figure these guys out. Captain Munderland's a good example of that, where now we've got a guy who's going to lock down the the um, we're going to lock down the slot for years. And he had How one about good Fred year. Smoot. Yeah, Fred Smoot's a fantastic example. Three quarters of the world's covered by water; the other quarter by Fred Smoot.
1: And then he had some of his most fun on the water, but uh, that was water. completely different. Yeah,
2: so I think second. Second contract guys are probably the ones where I have the least amount of emotion, but I think that they're going to work.
1: So I'll tell you this, we're bumping out with feels like the first time. This is not the first time that we've been panicked about the Vikings early in a season. This is not the first time we've been excited about a Twins playoff run. They haven't won a playoff game in a long time. Time will tell on all of it, but the opening topic today is forget about taking time. Tell us about those first impressions. I called it the quick and the dead. Will the Minnesota Vikings be quickly dead? We'll find out soon. The St. Scholastica football season, that is alive and well. We'll talk to Mike Effernan. and he's next. He's ready for his home opener with the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back. For
0: the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click
1: Granger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back on the Northland sports page. Feeling right at home here in our studio in the holiday center. Speaking of home, the Saint's Scholastica Saints have their home opener this afternoon. We'll have a little bit more on that in just a moment. But first, we're home here at the Holiday Center only thanks to our great sponsors.
2: Absolutely, Brian. Our sponsors include the original Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer for our region, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road. In Proctor and in Two Harbors, Blackwater, Downtown, and Tavern on the Hill up by the Colleges, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai.
1: So again, we appreciate all of our sponsors. A couple of them have specials associated. Mount Royal Bottle Shop, perhaps the ringleader in that department. Wine Wednesdays, we talked about the Vikings' struggles, perhaps a lot of whining going on on Wednesdays, but Wine Wednesdays, 10% off the wine selections at Mount Royal Bottle Shop. And, of course, we love when our sponsors work together. On Saturdays, they do, courtesy of the Northland Sports page, Hoops Brewing, one of our sponsors. Hoops Products, 10% off on Saturdays at Mount Royal Bottle Shop.
2: Yeah, and today would be a great day to run up to Mount Royal and pick up your Hoops Brewing products with a discount because it's Oktoberfest. And it's Oktoberfest downtown, but it can be Oktoberfest at your house as well. Gophers playing Northwestern or, excuse me, New, uh, North Carolina what I was gonna say a, you'll, you'll cycle through the end schools and you'll get there right. eventually. What a what a fantastic day to be drinking some hoops on the porch.
1: Absolutely, or tailgating at the Saints Classic, Saints home opener is always a good idea as well. Dave, I'll tell you this: I text an awful lot with a lot of people, and I love texting as a good, quick way to communicate with people. But I am all set to not have to text this gentleman today and get to see him. We welcome in Coach Mike Effernan. and Hef. It is home opener for the Saints. How excited are you? And good morning.
0: Yeah, good morning. Thanks, guys, for having me on as usual. Um, we're really excited. It's it's great to have your first home game of the year, and, and guys are excited. It should be a good crowd, so we're ready to go.
1: Absolutely. So, Coach, the first segment today was very much buried in the theory of first impressions. And obviously, this is the home opener, but the season opener was a week ago. What was your first impression of your team? And give me both sides of the coin. What was the first impression that you said, hey, we got something in this area, this area, and this area? And what areas did you say? Oh, we're not ready or where we need to be in that area yet.
0: Yeah, so it's always it's always a unique situation when you go into your first game because you don't don't know what to expect. You don't know how certain things are going to go. But um, you know, the first thing that pops to my mind is our guys played really hard. Our guys play really hard for each other. Um, their effort is unbelievable. It's unrelenting. They they really leave everything they have in the field, and that is a credit to them, um, but we just didn't play smart enough at times. So there's, you know, we had some, you know, coverage bust here or route bust here or a protection bust. And, you know, it's not just one play. It's not just one circumstance that decides the game. We, we played hard enough to win the game. We just didn't play smart enough. And uh, again, as always, it's always about us and what we can fix. Um, so we're just back to paying attention to details for this week and, and uh, get ready to play today.
2: Say, Coach, uh, Brian, to mention, thank you so very much for coming on, on the morning of game day. Um, what does the morning of game day look like for a head coach in a college program that's on the on the rise?
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's the, you know, as they say, the hay is in the barn, right? So today's, today's not my day. Today's the guy's day. And uh, I certainly wish I could go play out there, but uh, I can't. Um, and I don't think I have a play left in me, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it's 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 time for those guys to, to take care of business, and you know all their hard work all week. Um, it's time for them to show up, and you know I have to I have to make sure that I just steer the ship and, and keep them focused or, or or snap them back into you know uh, focus if they get out of focus, and it's up to them to, to get after it. So we we start our morning nice and early. We 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 head over to chapel. We go to breakfast guys get ready, double check all of our stuff, head over to the stadium. And then it's, then it's pregame.
1: Absolutely. It is. So we're in non-conference season still to this point, but at the same time, today's opponent has plenty of familiarity to it. If I told people, Hey, St. Scholastica plays crown on Saturday in recent years, people would say, Oh, that's a storied rivalry. Does the familiarity help at all? Or is there just the same amount of film study with any opponent?
0: Yeah, it's really the same. It, it doesn't matter. Um, It's, it's obviously nice to be able to play somebody that's uh, uh, down the road that we have a relationship with. Uh, But you know, it's, it's the same film. It's the same, everything you don't, you don't change anything up week to week. It's, it's, it's the same focus no matter what going into every single game.
1: No question about it. So speaking of things being the same, a couple of years ago, you guys got forced into a bit of a quarterback conundrum with a starting quarterback getting injured on play. Number one, in a way, you ended up finding a bit of a diamond in the rough as well because now all of a sudden it seems like you've got a quarterback that you're building around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Donald West, um, our starting quarterback, he's done a tremendous job and he continues to get better every day. I'm, I'm so proud of his focus and, and the energy that he puts into um, his own craft. And he's going to continue to get better as he continues to work. Um, he started almost every game last year got better it seems week to week um he spends a tremendous time studying himself and opponents and uh he just continues to put himself in good positions to be successful so uh was certainly building building a lot around donald and uh there's expectations for Donald, and he continues to meet those. So excited to see what he can do.
2: You know, Brian, over the last couple of weeks, you and I have been doing some high school football, and we've seen uh, players that, you know, look like they could play. I was say,
1: you've had your recruiting eyes out oh, for Coach F. I know, Heff
2: knows that. Every time I see a guy, I'm like, oh, I know where he could play. Um, but I'm wondering, <laughs> Coach, um, when you're building your offense around a, around a quarterback, um, how do you determine um, – how to use those skills best. I guess what I'm asking is we see passing quarterbacks and we see running quarterbacks, but how do you build an offense around a quarterback's personality and confidence?
0: Yeah. So it's, it goes hand in hand with what he's comfortable with and in the communication that we have. So for, you know, Donald and myself and, and coach Bremer offense coordinator, it's, you know, we're going to run a certain type of offense because that's what we believe in as a program, but what does that individual do great within the system? And that system may have to tweak and change a little bit. It may go this way one year and go that way another year because different skills develop or we find something out about, you know, your quarterback that you didn't know. Um, So that's really up to us as coaches to try and find the things that, that um, can continue to push and continue to motivate your starting quarterback and then find out his, his tangible set. You know, that's where you start. And then from there, you just kind of build from there and see what they're comfortable with. But you know, it's, it's, it's common to have the quarterback come in and Hey, I like these plays on third down. Hey, I really like this week. Or Hey, I didn't like this, this, this week, because Mm -hmm. again, like I said before, he's the one out there doing it, not me or not coach Bremer. Um, So, you know, that's where you really can start to take, take things to another level once the quarterback establishes, Hey, yeah, I can do this, uh, and I want to do it this way. Um, so that's when it gets exciting.
2: And what's the moment when you're when you're coaching a quarterback or pretty much any position, but quarterback's kind of where I'm looking, where you say, "Okay, we have ourselves a starter." What things go into making that decision that this this is a guy we're going to hook the franchise up to for a while?
0: Yeah, for me, it's obviously you you want or require or whatever that may be at whatever level that you're coaching a skill set. And then from there, for me, it's how do you deal with adversity? And how how do you respond? How do you bounce back? Because it's not always going to go your way. Very rarely does it go your way perfectly all the time. So how do you respond? How do you bounce back? And then with that, unlike any other position in in, in any sport, the quarterback is what everybody looks at. So if you're able to bounce back, you're able to get your attitude right and continue to give great effort, um, and not necessarily have to be the leader or the number one guy as a young guy, whatever the case may be. But you can stand on this pedestal and you can show what great body language is. You can show, you know, what it means to persevere and be relentless and and, and bounce back. Um, that's 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 when I know I got somebody. Boy, I um, and those are those were all things that I look for.
2: I tell you, Brian, we've had a chance to see a lot of high school players that could certainly take some of that advice to heart when they want to keep going uh, in their football career life no, career frankly. no
1: question about that so coach mike heffernan of st scholastic is with us home opener day they'll take on crown that'll be at one o'clock at the facility formerly known as public school stadium it's now hunting stadium marv hiking and field in the western portion of duluth i gotta spit that out a bunch of times on the play by play today coach i gotta ask you this dave's been all about the offense the cliches tell us that offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. What's a defensive identity? What are some of the defensive stalwarts we should look for on your squad?
0: Yeah, the biggest thing for us, number one, is the ball. So whether it's offense or defense, we're going to go after the ball. And when you put the film on, you're going to see our defense scraping and clawing at the football, and that's what it has to be. The football is the most important thing. The second thing is they're going to execute to the best of their ability, and it's going to be nonstop. So they're going to be flying to the ball. And then we preach about physicality. And those are things that our defense is owning and each position group on defense is owning what their version is of those three things and they're taking it to heart. And that's what we're going to put on tape. So regardless of what the outcome is, those are things that they're going to do and we're going to continue to work that.
1: So coach, I'm going to call my next question kind of the necessary evil of an interview because part of me is going to despise this question. And part of me realizes it's one you have to ask. We always talk about expectations and if your expectation isn't to win every game, I feel like you're in the wrong business. But at the same time, there's a reality of how difficult you know being undefeated is. Obviously, you lost your first game, so let's forget about that concept. But where I'm going with this is the first season in the Mayak was a maiden voyage, and lumps were taken. Last year, there were incremental improvements. It was, quite frankly, a fun football season from my perspective. The program's growing in this conference. Are the expectations growing, too? And what's your reality for this season?
0: Yeah, my expectations are will continue to grow with every season every game how you measure that i don't know um do we want to do better than we did the year before absolutely um that's always the goal and our goal is always to win every single game that we can um we are going to go into every single game especially myself as the head coach with with the thought and knowing that we are putting ourselves in a position to win we have to execute um our guys, they deserve everything they get. I love my players. I know they love each other. Um, my expectation is for them to leave everything they possibly have on the field, and if they can do that, then they have met my expectations. Um, do I want to win every game? Absolutely. I am one of the most avid competitors that I can think of, um, and I'm sure there's there, there's more than me. But that's that's what it's going to take, and those are those are my expectations, and and and. That's how it has to be in order to continue to get better.
1: I was going to say, I never question your competitive nature because when I see you on walks around Lakeside, I feel like you're in your own way telling me to find a new gear if I can. So nobody's going to question that, but I want to close with this. We talked about how you've got a pseudo recruiter in Dave Cook wherever he goes. So the fact that he's been going to Arizona and back, who knows how broad your recruitment scope is going to get. But looking at the roster for Crown, they are really kind of a Rand McNally of recruitment because they've got players coming from all over. That's nice. The big scope is a pleasant surprise for anybody. But at the same time, we're a local radio show. This community loves local. Who are some of the local kids that we should look for on your squad as well?
0: Yeah. So really simple. We can start with our captains. Um, one of our captains is one of our offensive captains, a wide receiver Ben Hunter uh, from Spear, Wisconsin. Um, really excited about how he's playing. We got a defensive end, um, Simon from East. Uh, from East High School, uh, he's done a tremendous job. He's actually a wide receiver in high school. To play basketball, and he plays defensive end for us. He Simon Randorf,
1: yeah, he's a big boy.
0: Yep, yeah, yes, he is. And uh, I'm really excited about him. He's really starting to find himself on the football field, which is great. Um, and then we have you know John Bonner, who's a captain from Grand Rapids. We got you know we got a lot of guys from the area. We're going to continue to recruit the area, and uh, that's that's always our vision: get guys from home, start at home first.
1: I love that you did that. It's almost like you can hear your bump out music, bumping you out with little Motley crew, home sweet home. It's going to be fun to have you at home today. We'll see you in a couple hours. Thanks for taking the time, Coach.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
1: See you in a bit. Absolutely. That is head coach Mike Heffernan of the St. Scholastica Saints, Saints and Crown College this afternoon at 1 o'clock, again, at the facility formerly known as Public School Stadium. Always a pleasure to talk to Heff, but every time I say that, I picture him in a velvet robe. You know what I
2: mean? <laughs> talking to Heff. I do. I do. Heff's one of the good guys. and. And super competitive, but he mentioned it, and you and I have seen it. He circles the wagons uh, really well. You know, he takes care of his kids. We've been reading so much about awful stuff in college football. Heff's always got his kids.
1: He is one of the good guys and a very big competitor. We're going to stick with that theme. Dave Hoops is next. We're the Northland Sports Page. Stick around.
3: We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Back, Back here on the Northland sports page, a little double meaning to that particular bump-in song. It's High Hopes from Panic at the Disco. Dave Hoops is next. And no matter what the numbers may say, he's always got high hopes for our favorite team. So I'm very happy to talk to him in just a moment. Or is it time to panic in Minnesota sports, particularly in the Viking season? We'll find out, courtesy of Hoops Brewing in just a moment. But there are several other sponsors to
2: give some love to this morning. 100%, Brian. Let's start with the Kohler Twins, Kohler Hyundai, and Kohler Toyota taking care of us uh, for the past year or so. Uh, it's great to have them on board. Pier B Resort, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Avenue 45, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, into Harbors, downtown here with Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill up by the Colleges, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Gentleman Screen Printing, Cross Heating and Cooling, your carrier carrier here in northeastern Minnesota, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Arola Architecture Studio, OAR Holdings, And Hoops Brewing, let's talk to Hoops Brewing guy himself, Dave Hoops. Absolutely,
1: we will do that. And speaking of Hoops Brewing and Mount Royal Bottle Shop, two of the sponsors that you mentioned, good day to get some Hoops Brewing product today. Go ahead and do it at Mount Royal Bottle Shop, 10% off on Saturdays, thanks to the Northland Sports page. Why? Because you can find Dave Hoops on our show each and every Saturday. He joins us now. Good morning, my friend.
4: Uh, good morning, guys. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. How are you? And I hope you're doing as well as you normally are, because now more than ever, I told Dave Cook this well before the show today, I said, you know, I love talking to Dave Hoops. Dave Hoops is one of my closest friends, but I need him today. The Vikings have been losing. You know, I covered Duluth East football last night. They lost. The Twins are doing great, so I can cling to that. But it's two games into a 17-game Vikings season. I know you're going to tell me that I don't have to panic about anything yet. Go ahead and be your positive self.
4: Well, the numbers do it for me. Uh, you know, last year, one and one. Okay, fine. Look what happened. Two years ago, we lost, what, eight uh, one-score games, something like that. Right. Eight or nine, in um, my memory. Last year, we won 11. Well, this year, we've lost two. Fine. Okay. Uh, Kirk's averaging, what, 340 a game, three-plus touchdowns. They have no running game. Kevin O'Connell knows this, and that that's about the only thing that I'm not rosy about um you know i don't like losing i was on a plane watching that game returning from colorado but the whole sky is falling thing is like it goes back to the fact remember brian we have all the major sports here we're lucky that we get to root for our teams um a lot of people enjoy being pessimistic and angry about losses they don't realize it right but (laughs) it's a part of their Mm. default
1: i think you just struck gold with that comment i think you're exactly right
4: Yeah, I look forward to next week, and I'm not, my head's not in the sand. There are more important things in the world, but it gives me great pleasure to watch the Vikes win or lose. Obviously, win is better. How's that?
1: That's a very good take. I appreciate that, because when it comes to the Vikings, I look at it basically three ways. If you are a pessimist, you could say this team just isn't built to win any games. They're way too soft in the trenches where games are won. The offensive line is soft. The defensive line is soft. And you could say this team is going nowhere. If you're the ultimate in rainbow sunshine, you know, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows is what I normally say, you can say, hey, if they hang on to the football, they're probably 2-0, and and then we're going, my goodness, what a team that we have, because they've moved the ball up and down the field at will, they just haven't finished any drives. That's the positive and the negative. If you're a realist, you probably just say, yep, because I think both of those things actually can be true.
4: That's so well said, you know, and I'm not even going on the fact that we would be you know, undefeated if they held on to the football, that goes without. That's pretty obvious, but that also gives us optimism because, you know, we're not going to keep doing that. And if they they start the season zero and seven, maybe I'll be eighty percent optimistic. But you know, <laughs> it's early, okay? So let you know. And and again, people are welcome to throw rocks at them. Go ahead, they're your team too. It's going to happen.
1: Right. This fan base loves to do it. I have to ask the easy question specifically to you, Dave Hoops, because. I know your affinity to Justin Herbert and the Chargers. They're next eight days from now. Where's your allegiance? Because you are a Vikings fan, but you are a Justin Herbert fan. So are you hoping that Herbert has, let's call it a Kirk Cousins the first two weeks, throws for 300-plus and a couple touchdowns, but his team loses?
4: Well, that's exactly what I'm hoping. And, you know, and two would be fine, not three. And, um, and I think the Chargers are going to be pretty good this year. But the Vikings can beat good teams. Uh, you know they made their defense gives me great hope and you know with four turnovers they still hung around and hung around and you know um Osborne dropped a few passes there's there's a little things here that make you know I'm looking forward to that Chargers game and Herbert's still a young kid I just love his story so you know I want them to lose that game of course 100% count on it
2: I think, uh, Dave, you make a really good point. It's something we've talked about before. There there are definitely some soft parts of this defense. You know, hey, diddle, diddle, run right up the middle. And you'll see what those soft points are. You've been
1: sitting on that for a while? Yes. Okay. But,
2: that's pretty good. But you see, uh, you see kids like Ivan Pace really play well. You're right with the turnovers. And that's where the Flores defense is really interesting. Brian and I have been talking about it. They've given up a lot of points, but they're kind of doing what we thought they'd do, and that's be young and turn the ball over.
1: What worries me the most, and I'll let you answer Dave's question here in a moment, Mr. Hoops, but what worries me the most is a fairly nondescript quarterback, unless you love commercials. Baker Mayfield is claiming that he had the signals figured out. How can that be?
4: Todd Bowles. Uh, Well, Baker's just a clown. He's he's fun to watch, but just ignore that stuff. That's, That's just dribble he probably
2: he probably did but his coach coached with o'connell and flores and all them so and he runs the same kind of defense i bet you it's not a terrible stretch and i'll bet you that happens more often than we know where the offense kind of has an idea but it's so
1: cliche to say they got out coached or they got out adjusted at halftime how vehemently can that be true if you don't change a signal at all under the risk that somebody's
2: going to figure it out yeah that would be out coached wouldn't it right definition of
1: at a prep level or below
2: Right, 100% agree.
1: So, Dave Oops, you also said we've got all the major sports in this market, and here on the Northland Sports page we will cover just about all of them. In fact, buy or sell is, is skewed that way coming up later on. But I kind of think, you know, reading between the lines, you may have said, hey, there are other things to cheer for. Granted, there are more important things in life too, but let's go to the fountain of positivity that is the Minnesota Twins. We might fear that in the sense of October is going to get here and the Vikings may not matter anymore. It looks like we're not mathematically there yet. But October could be a lot of fun for the Minnesota Twins.
4: Yep, ninety-nine percent there. And and you know better than me. Would we play the West winner or would we play one of the wild cards? Can we will play
1: that? the we will play the bottom wild card, whoever the last team in is going to be will travel to Minnesota to face the Twins. It will either be at this point, it sure looks like Seattle, Texas, Houston, or Toronto. One of those four teams is going to end up in that spot because the West is just crowded and Toronto's hanging on. They're right there.
2: And that sounds about the right order too, by the way, because Houston probably wins the West, which makes Texas the number one wild card chance, and we see Toronto probably in Minnesota. Well, I disagree with that
1: to some extent because you've got three teams in the running in the West. Only one's going to win it. It's possible that the other two become wild cards, and don't forget who loses the American League East is guaranteed going to be the top wild card. Mm, So there's a cluster there. The good news is we shouldn't have to worry about will the Twins be there for a whole lot longer, but with a demonstrative lead of a good size with only a handful of games left, I'll just say it, it's the type of lead that would take a Minnesota-esque collapse to lose,
4: right? Oh, I'm not even going to I knew you wouldn't even justify that with a response. Yeah, but I am, you know, I really my my hope is we play Seattle because it's a it's a great matchup and that will be fun and most people don't hate Minnesota and Seattle. They won't bother to watch, but they don't hate them. Uh everybody hates Houston, sorry, Houston. Um and the Toronto matchup would be good too. I'm probably going to do this from the road next week because I'm going down for the Anaheim game. I hope that I get to see Otani. I, when I got these tickets I was looking to see Trout, but um I'm, my point is that I'm not going to go down and watch games in person. Uh, playoff games, it's best to three. Because, I hate to say this, but it's it's kind of more fun on TV. And uh, I'm really looking forward to you know being in the playoffs and rooting for the vi- uh, the Twins. Sorry, and and not just expecting them. To, this streak has to end. Okay, That's I agree about with you. That period. Somebody should get get a tattoo saying that on you. Not me. No but doubt you know I mean? about they it.
1: <laughs> I do think they're going to at least win a game. Time will tell if they win a series. Of course, mathematically speaking, we got to get there. Speaking of mathematically speaking, we got to get to hour two relatively quickly. So I'll turn it over to you, Dave Cook, for yet another edition of his life-altering questions.
2: Absolutely. So yesterday, gentlemen, I did the Hibbing football game against Proctor, and Hibbing has no emblems on their helmets. It's just blue, and I'm wondering your guys' opinion, what team out there has the best helmet? High school, college, pro, it don't matter.
4: Well, you know, that makes the segues. The Browns, of course, but no. Um, You know, I like, well, pro, um, I I used to like the the Broncos because I really like their team, but their new logo sucks. I like the Raiders. I think it's classic and it's really great. Or the Steelers. That would be my pick.
1: I think in the pros, I have a difficult time because there are several that I like just the same. They're all they're all good, but they all become so recognizable. I think you lose sight of is that good or is that bad. I think in terms of variety and all of them looking pretty sharp, you'll love this, Dave Cook, because at the college level, the variety of Minnesota Gopher helmets. Yeah, I love them all.
2: Yeah, and they're all similarly toned. You don't. Yeah. You don't see like. Oregon will throw out a purple helmet every so often. It doesn't have anything to do with anything.
1: I can tell you this. I don't like the Notre Dame hockey helmets that are the definition of golden domers. Those just yeah. look weird.
2: Well, they look like somebody bought some Krylon right. before the game. Right. I think for me it's the it's the whiteout um it's the whiteout Penn State hockey uniform helmet combination. Although I did get to see Rock Ridge this summer in it. And I'm telling the people from Rock Ridge incorporate that. Um all right. So we talked a little bit about Uh, Brian and I, before the game, that The Rock came back last night on wrestling. And I know Brian rolls his eyes, but I had to play the pop, you know, when they said his name and and 30,000 people just went bananas. I'm wondering, guys, of people that are alive, so we don't go back and talk about Babe Ruth, who would you like to see come back? It can be as whichever sport that you'd like. Frankly, it could be life if if you choose, but they have to be alive and walked away. Retirement could be. Okay,
4: well... There's a lot there, but, you know, super low-hanging fruit. Uh, Watching Caroline Wozniacki play this year in the U.S. Open was just goosebump-inducing. The woman is better, maybe, than when she left three years ago. That's a comeback, okay? But um, I also want to see Barry Sanders again. There's a commercial. You guys know all these guys on Retired. And they're, you know, Carter's being called grandpa. And so I don't know which commercial, but it's funny. Marino's in that commercial. Dan Marino. Boom. There's a couple there for you.
1: All right. So that made me alter my answers a little bit because Dave took one of mine. One of mine was certainly going to be Barry Sanders. Dave started with tennis. So I will too. If you bring back Andre Agassi, I'm obsessed with the sport again. I still like it now, but I was obsessed with it in his prime. Baseball wise, this is going to be sentimental because I want Tony Oliva to come back and play. And I have no great answer as to why. Because for me, he was almost a mythical creature. Because my dad spoke so swimmingly of his talents. I never saw it, except for I saw him play in one old-timers game. And all I knew was he had bad knees. And it was proven, because he still hit a one-hopper off the wall and barely made it to first base. I want to see what Tony Oliva in his prime was like. Basketball, I wish Larry Bird was still playing, because that was my first favorite in the sport. NHL I don't know. I guess because eras are so hard to compare. Let's just bring back Gretzky and see if he could have done anything in this era.
2: Yeah. See, that's kind of my thought in this whole thing. I'd I'd like to see, I'd like to see Gretzky back in this, but there's, you know, there's so many baseball guys. I want to see some personalities come back. You know, baseball is such a business business. Now you don't see those quirky guys that you're able to have fun with and roll your eyes. Mark Fidrich would have been, you know, never have made it as he's talking to the baseball Does basketball
1: need the entertainment of Dennis Rodman again?
2: Dennis Rodman would be real interesting. You know, I was thinking Michael Jordan, just because to see him and LeBron actually face off in their prime, we could finally
1: settle that debate. Perhaps
2: one more. All right, the last one's going to be a beer question, guys. Um, New beer brands. So I'm looking. You know, when I go through coolers, and there's one fifth of the beer brands that I know. The other four fifths, I have no idea. Are there any relatively new beer brands, and so I'm not saying it has to be this week, relatively new beer brands that you kind of sit back and are either surprised they're, they made it or impressed that they made it?
4: Um, yeah, for sure. You know, right off the bat, you have to look at the, the ridiculous um, increase in, not ridiculous, it's stunning, the NA market. And I bring that up because a brewery called Athletic is making pretty good beers. They're the 17th biggest brewery in the nation, and they did wow. not exist a few years ago. So there's a staggeringly interesting one that beer drinkers, though, not necessarily are going to drink. So um, there's one. But the other one, um, there's, there's too many new brands, so most of the consumers are confused. Um, but something like, you know, in Minnesota, I hate to say it, but people should be looking at Summit. It's not a new brand. It's just forgotten. Right and and it's an amazing amazing beer that's just being overshadowed by a whole bunch of new brands that, you know I'm not going to get into quality but right, that's right, right. a backwards way to answer your question Dave sorry about that but that's my point.
1: Wait. All right Dave Oops I might be calling upon your expertise for this and I hope I get the name brand correct because I don't think it's relatively new it's just harder to find and I'd never heard of it until I went to my mom's house a couple times this summer and she asked me if I wanted a beer and I said okay what do you have and she told me and I went. I don't know what that is, but I'll try it. But I tried Yingling beer, and it was amazing. Are you familiar with Yingling at all? And maybe I'm mispronouncing it.
4: Oldest family-run brewery in America. Yes, very familiar with Shells being the second. It's an amazing brewery. Good Outstanding.
1: Call. So I kind of backwards answered your question as well, because you said new brand, and I just picked the
2: oldest. So yeah, go figure. For you, for you, it is. But
1: we talked about beer brands. Nothing better for me than Hoops Brewing. Dave Hoops, what's a good reason to come down to the brewery this weekend? There are always good reasons. Give me your best beers on tap right now.
4: Well, you got to get our Oktoberfest. It's called Wiesn Oktoberfest Wiesn, not because it's wheat. Wiesn is what it's called in, in uh, Germany, uh, the Wiesn. But more importantly, Apple beer for you fruit lovers. Yes. And we make it once a year and it's, it's good and it's full of Bayfield cider and it's a kind of a must have before the obvious Christmas beer coming up. We all know what that is.
1: Oh, look look at you tempting me September 16th. And you're already talking about the cherry ale. I don't want to wet my whistle with that big time. Dave hoops. You are the best. Thanks for being the fountain of positivity
3: again today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.